Welcome to Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture, with me, your host, Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the genocide of the Uyghur people. Hi friends and welcome to season two, episode 10 of Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture. This is the final episode in this season um, and this week I'm going to be talking about the genocide of the Uyghur people that is actually ongoing at the moment. Um, and this strangely coincides with some recent events that have happened in America, namely the domestic terrorist attack that was perpetrated against their AAPI community. And I'm not going to go into detail about the mass shooting, as I'm sure you've probably seen it all over the news, all over your social media. And if you haven't, please go and look it up. It's hard to miss. Um, But this is just another example of the dangers of white supremacy. And I would encourage you to look into what can be done to support the AAPI community at the moment, to really reach out to your friends who may have been affected by this, even if they seem outwardly like they would be fine or far removed from it happening. When you actually are part of the community, it can affect you in ways that perhaps you didn't realise. And friends reaching out is really a good... I mean, it's a good thing anyway, but it's a really good thing when when something like this happens. So, yeah, and also maybe just um, be doing some inner reflections and... I think at the moment it's really important for us also all to be really conscious of or taking a look at our own unconscious biases that we may have or or we may have, yeah, we may have internalised towards this um, particular community. And yeah, now it's really a time for change and to be integrating and supporting all different communities that are repeatedly suffering, especially during this time, because I feel like stuff like this is really magnified when we're going through a really weird time in general. Um, but it's a great opportunity, I think, to really do some reflection and show some show some support. So, yeah. Um, on a lighter note, because things do seem to be a bit heavy of late, but on a lighter note, it seems that spring has finally arrived. And I don't know about you, but I'm starting to hear birds singing in the morning and the weather is looking like it's starting to get a little bit warmer and the clocks are finally going to change at the end of this week. So I'm really excited about that, even if there are continued restrictions and we don't really know what's going on or what's going to happen over the next few months. At least it's nice to know that winter is behind us and we now get to step into spring, summer and hopefully just spend some more time outside. Um, But yeah, as I said, this week I'm going to talk about the Uyghur genocide that's um, happening at the moment. So let's just crack on with the episode.
Okay, so this week I'm going to talk to you about the genocide that has been ongoing in China in the Xinjiang province since 2017. Now, Xinjiang province is in the northwest of China, and it's a huge region, roughly three times the size of France. And to date, between, I think it's estimated between one and three million Uyghurs and Turkic Muslims have been subjected to physical and cultural extermination at the hands of the Chinese government. So... Who are the Uyghur people and why are they being targeted? Well, Uyghur people don't identify as culturally or ethnically Chinese. Basically, they are a Turkic people who have lived in the Xinjiang region for around 1500 years. And Islam is, has been the primary religion. And until recently, they have made up the majority of the population of Xinjiang with around 11 million Uyghurs identifying as Muslim. Now, originally, they ruled themselves, but they were violently incorporated into the Manchu Empire in 1884, and since then have been um, yet so part of China. And the province itself did become officially, officially autonomous in 1955, but the Uyghur people haven't actually experienced full autonomy from the Chinese government, even though they have this kind of official title as being kind of separate. So since 1949, the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, have been seeking out to separate religion from state. So they've been seeking out to create a secular environment and because of this, many religious groups in China, within China, have suffered persecution. So since the CCP came to power, there has been organised efforts between the 50s and the 70s to dilute the Uyghur population in Xinjiang province by in- incentivizing different ethnic groups to move into the region. In the 1990s, they, they saw a development of a hardline group of militant Uyghur separatists who identified as Islamists and nationalists, with some of the group travelling to the Middle East to fight alongside Al-Qaeda. So this earned them the label as a terrorist group from the Chinese government. And in 2009, there were some riots when the Uyghur people peacefully protested against the government and it turned violent. And this resulted in the CCP cutting phone and phones and internet access within the region for almost a year so there has been kind of this conflict or back and forth between the ccp and this community over many decades but what's key is is that um when this hardline group of militant uyghur separatists um formed it then earned them the title as like a terrorist organization in the eyes of the chinese government so in 2013 the government launched an initiative to make um, a connection between China and Central Asia for economic reasons. And that led to concerns also that the Uyghur community might stand in the way of it. And that's also where this idea of how to pacify or get rid of the Uyghur community started to arise. So in 2014 to 2016, the concern around the Uyghur militants fighting in the Middle East then comes back round again. So there was concerns from the Chinese government that those who had gone to fight in the Middle East would come back and basically um, commit an act of terrorism within China and the Uyghurs may um, the Uyghurs may now 
B, and I quote, this is this is from government official, they may be infected by an instre- by an extremist virus. So in the eyes of the government, this needed to be dealt with. And because of this, they embarked on what was what they termed to be preventative suppression. And Basically, what they wanted to do was crack down on radicalization of people who had traveled outside of um, the province um, and to re-educate the um, Uyghur people within the province as well. And this is the basis for the genocide that they are now experiencing. So how has this unfolded? Well, starting in 2017... A program was developed called the Population Registration Program, and this was launched. And this was launched by the government, and all the people in Xinjiang Province between the ages of twelve and sixty-five had to register, basically. And they would take blood and DNA samples alongside fingerprints. They would scan their eyes, and they would also take pictures of people. And through this program, almost nineteen million people were registered. Then, in 2018, all the Uyghurs in the province were subjected to homestays. And these homestays meant that a government official would come into, um, into people's homes and they, and they didn't have a choice about this. They would have to open their homes for at least five days every two months, during which time the officials would then collect more information so they would report any what they termed suspicious behavior um, they would politically indoctrinate people and they were basically making their presence known within the homes of people and just trying to surveil them so it's been reported so when if anybody was um reported as suspicious or someone that couldn't that they didn't trust or they didn't know what they had been doing perhaps they had gone abroad that person could would be subject to be um, detained. So it's also been reported that when these families had to open their homes and perhaps the husband had been already detained by government officials, then the government official that had come to stay would then share the bed with the wife. So these visits weren't just a government official coming and staying in a house. It was a full forced integration into the family home and even into the wife's bed which you can draw your own conclusions on that so um whilst this was going on I'm sorry if you can hear a ambulance going by hang on (laughs) I hope it's not too loud um so whilst this was going on there was also this app that was developed and it was called the integrated joint operations platform and that was developed to track Uyghurs and other Muslims by collecting their personal data and tracking what they would call suspicious activity so residents were forced to declare their political views and what communications they'd have with with their relatives that lived outside of the province and also if they'd been abroad and all different kinds of information and through this app people would then be categorized on how normal or abnormal their behavior was perceived to be by the government and if you're identified as suspicious in any way through this app and through not only this app but also thousands of checkpoints that were also set up in the province then you would be detained 
and you'll be tamed on the basis of this data that had been collected and what they decided was classed as abnormal activity. So this database actually grew so large that it was reported for a data breach um, for surveillance because they had so much information on people like their GPS locations and tracking cameras on phones and stuff like that. This has then been made inaccessible by anybody outside of China like this information so that people from outside who maybe are doing like some kind of human rights watch or some data and security can't actually now access and have a look at what the Chinese government is doing and how big that this this data set and surveillance has grown um but from what I can from what can be gathered from it is that the Uyghurs have been subjected for the last three years to really, really intense surveillance by the Chinese government. And there isn't, it doesn't seem to be like there's any way to escape it. It's now like they have all the information on people and they have basically surveillance everywhere. So alongside this in 2017, between one and three million uh, Uyghurs have been subject to what the government calls re-education. So there has been a vast network of labor concentration and prison camps discovered in the region like set up for these re-education purposes and in a document discovered by a journalist called the china cables there have been clear instructions outlined on how to re-educate people who have been detained in these different camps and this is not um this is not an extensive list, but this is just some of the, the things that are going on inside of these camps and for these one to three million people that have been subjected to this. So prom- promoting repentance and confession, uh, full surveillance of people with no blind spots, so 24 hour surveillance. Um, Mandarin, story, Mandarin studies are a top priority. So as Uyghurs have their own language, they are now being forced to learn Mandarin. Um, they will be disciplined and punished for behavioural violations. And it also states that no one is ever allowed to escape from these detention centres. Now, you may have seen on the news about these concentration camps and these forced labour camps with classrooms full of people learning Mandarin and having to... um, having to say that they they've given up their religion and and things like that and basically being forced to assimilate now as no one is allowed to leave before they have been um quote cured of their extremism there have been reports of people being tortured and really like experiencing abuse in these places and and really really being forced to assimilate and give up their religion and also their their culture so as well as this re-education as many as 80,000 Uyghurs have been transported out of the region under the guise of a labor transfer program and this has actually been classified as forced migration. So arguably it's a form of ethnic cleansing. So moving parts of the group out of the region to then um, be able to move other ethnicities and other communities in. So then you're, they're not the majority anymore. So whilst being forcibly sent outside of the region for work, Uyghurs are also subjected 
to even though they're not in the camps but they're also subjected to the mandarin lessons there's a ban on religious practices there's political indoctrination amongst other things all going on outside of these camps as well um they're also being treated um also being threatened with harm to their families if they don't comply with what's being asked of them so if they're forcibly de- detained if they're told that they have to leave the region and go to work if they don't comply they they the government is basically telling them that their families lives are on the line if they don't do what they're told so in these forced labor camps one of the things that has been widely reported is that some of our perhaps favorite companies or well-known companies are actually using this forced labor to make their products and these companies include and are not limited to Nike, Apple, Sony, Puma, Gap and BMW. So these are really well-known brands and um as this is as this has been going on and people are being forced out of of their homes and forced to, into factories and labor camps and things like that um there are companies out there that are profiting from this under the kind of guise that they don't really know what's going on but i think perhaps at this point it's kind of um it's not something that could that could be uh not known to these companies because there's been so many reports coming out of china um that they they can't use that excuse anymore basically maybe a few years ago when um things were just being discovered but not now so not only have the uighurs been forced to give up their religion assimilate to chinese culture to um forced to migrate and be subject to forced labor there is also a campaign of forced sterilization so women are not allowed to have more than 3 children they are and like any unlawful birth has to be reported and if they're found to have more than 3 children then they will be detained much like um a lot of other people that have been sent to these camps that I've been talking about so thousands of women also that are already in detention have been subject to forced pregnancy checks um they have also been forced to take contraception or have like contraception like implanted or what whichever form that it is um they've also been forced into having abortions should they be pregnant and they have as i said been sterilized so alongside this there have also been um reports of rape and sexual violence going on and since this has all happened the birth rate within the group has fallen 60%. So that really tells you that um this particular genocidal process is having a very is is very effective basically for a birth rate to fall by over half in a few years is huge um and really of real concern. So as this persecution becomes more widely known the US in particular has imposed sanctions on chinese officials and also blacklisted chinese companies who use forced labor and this is an on- ongoing genocidal emergency and there is a lot more information than what i have explained here that you can find online um 
I would say that any whatever your favorite news platform is is going to have a story or a video or something on this and there are a lot of people trying to get testimony out and trying to really raise awareness about what is going on and how these people are suffering at the hands of the Chinese government so um yeah there's lots of information and news articles out there youtube videos etc um that you can go and have a look at if you want to know more in depth of the experiences of people and, and what they're going through um and as it is ongoing i think it's really really important at the moment to be um cluing yourself in on it and to be reading these stories because people are risking their lives talking about it and it's millions of people that are being persecuted and it's from in my opinion it's going to turn out to be a quite successful genocide if something doesn't happen quickly um so that's it that is the very basics of the genocide that is ongoing at the moment um what i'm going to do this week is put a link to an article that outlines different ways that you can show your support for the Uyghur community and also whilst also doing something that's pro proactive from signing a petition which i did to, like i did today i signed up to a petition on change.org um you can look up different advocacy groups to see what work they're doing um it also gives suggestions of what to do on social media etc things like that and yeah should you be compelled to get behind the cause in some way it's it's a, it's quite a short read and it just i think it's a really good prompt for giving ideas on what you can proactively do like within your own capacity um I definitely think signing petitions and writing to MPs and things like that and um just raising awareness in that way just so that it's at the forefront because this as I said it's it's currently happening and people people are really really suffering and it needs to be known that it's not okay we're not just going to watch whilst it happens we can just take 2 3 4 5 minutes to um show support somehow and let the community know that they're not alone and the world is watching um and also put pressure on the chinese government to do something um so yeah that's that i will put the link to that in the description and whatnot um and as this is the final episode of the series i can't believe it's it's um i've already talked about 10 different genocides how sad is that as i said a few episodes ago that's not it's really not an extensive list and i hope it doesn't bum you out too much but i think this series is really for me been important to kind of raise awareness and outline that genocide doesn't it's not a one off thing it's actually more common and more um it's more normal it's more normal than we would think it's not some like monstrous crazy violent thing that happens it's actually quite a normal crime that occurs over and over and over again in different ways as i hope i've demonstrated with this um series if you would like to know more or you want to talk about anything that has been 
that has that I've spoken about at, like over this series, then please do, as ever, email me info at withoutthefootnotes.org or you can send me a DM on Instagram. Um, I'm going to be taking a break next week because life is crazy and I just need a, a break from reading about and talking about genocide. So um, I'll take a break next week and then April is actually Genocide Awareness Month. So I'm going to... in April specifically just be tailoring some episodes just around um, genocide awareness and activism so stay stay tuned from that for that and then once April is over then I'll go into a new series so if you do have any ideas or anything that you're curious about or um, any suggestions on topics that you want to be touched on I do still have um from before around Christmas when I asked at the end of the first series but I'm always open to um to suggestions maybe you want more guests on the show maybe you want a specific genocide covered maybe you want to know more about resistance stories or survivor testimony or literature or film um yeah just please let me know I'm I'm all ears I'm keen to know what you are interested in and I really hope that you enjoyed this current series and yeah I would love to hear your feedback so thanks for listening and I will catch you in April ciao